0: Mobile radio is really, I would almost call it a spin-off of Resonance FM in London. Resonance FM is an artist-run radio station that has been broadcasting full-time since 2002 on FM in London. And both Sarah and I were part of the team that helped setting it up. And after about three years of being... Heavily involved in, a, in broadcasting from a tiny studio in London's Denmark Street, um, we came up with the idea of, you know, going off traveling but still carrying on making radio. So that's when Sarah came up with the name Mobile Radio. Then this was a long time before mobile phones were really very smart and before you had actually radios on them. So maybe. 15 years ago the name mobile radio meant something different than what people think about it now but that's how it came about.
1: Yeah and we found that we were getting invited to different places across Europe to do various kinds of projects, sometimes to speak at conferences, sometimes to take part in art projects to give workshops, to make pieces for other radio stations so we just set off to try and join up all these journeys rather than keep leaving London and coming back we thought well maybe we can just keep going which we did for a couple of years in the beginning but then you can imagine at some point we felt like we needed to, to settle down and catch up with ourselves again and uh, we just kept the project running because we kept getting invited to different places so now we have a permanent base in Germany. And we go off traveling to do various radio-related projects all around the world.
2: And so what would a mobile radio studio consist of? In your it case.
1: It could be really. <laughs> It could be anywhere. You know, need, sometimes needs very little equipment. I mean, for instance, a project could be as simple as setting up a small transmitter and broadcasting to some radios in a park which we've done as a kind of installation project, or we could be setting up a full-blown radio station as we did in Brazil at the Biennial in Sao Paulo where we had to create a whole radio studio from scratch that people could come to. Um, So it can be, you know, the scale can vary widely. It just um, depends on the type of project that's needed or that we want to do and the resources
0: that are available. And the the technology has changed so much. I think one of the reasons why we decided, okay, we can go off traveling and do things now, was that 10 years ago it was just about, um, you know, tried and tested technology to stream somewhere over the internet. Of course, this has been going on for much longer, but for it to really work, you needed a certain amount of experience and and that I think was by then was existing. So when we did projects that were out in the field or that were in museums or galleries or wherever, we knew by then that we could make a connection to, for example, a host radio station that would relay our
2: stream. I know that in the planning of the, uh, the residency that we have coming up in Toronto, um, both of you were quite adamant that, that as much as possible we broadcast over FM as opposed to an internet stream. I was curious your views on the differences between um, the FM listening experience versus the online listening experience. Yeah,
1: there's something inherently energetic I suppose about FM broadcasting both in you can you can see this in the sense of people's enthusiasm to take part in a project if you do a web streaming project you can set it up and people come along and maybe they don't take it so seriously it's something a bit more relaxed when it's live on air on FM people get super Uh, worked up about it you know they get very nervous and they get very excited and there's really something inherently energetic in the technology itself which kind of feeds into how people feel about actually making the radio so as well as being really interested in the technology of radio and the the way it works and, and also for me a very important thing about FM broadcasting is that I mentioned earlier that you can do it on a very small scale, and on that scale you can certainly build your own system. You can build a little radio transmitter, you can even build a radio if you want to, you know, if you found out how to do it. And I'm always thinking, especially in this day and age, that you know, what do you do if suddenly you're denied access to the internet? You've got no way of communicating anymore, whereas if you set up your own small system, at least you can you know broadcast to the area around you you can you can have some form of communication that mass communication that you're actually in control of so to me there's a kind of political element there's a very human element and there's also an artistic element in working with the medium itself
2: as you've traveled to different places like São paulo or around europe and and uh, and of course in in the UK are there cultural differences to people's mindset maybe around radio and and their expectations of what you know of of what they expect from it
0: oh uh, absolutely i mean every every city is different every radio station is different and this is something that you can see very well for example with the radia network which is a network of 25 radio stations that are mainly in europe but also some in north america and in um, australia and new zealand and they keep producing half-hour shows each week um, on a round-robin basis doing what is loosely termed radio art and you can really see that each radio station and maybe also each country or each region has almost some kind of house style. It's how they were socialized, how the, how the radio history was running there. And it is very different. Even if you just go from, let's say, Germany to the UK, there's a huge difference. Not only in style, but also in, in content, in, in what in which directions people are going. And this is very exciting. And we're we're almost kind of collectors of radio station. We love to go to them. We love to see them, and talk to people and take photos, and and that was very exciting when we went to Brazil, because it was a completely new world for us. And one thing which we loved, for example, we found out that, that there is a term, a terminology for people who work in the radio, not just journalists or presenters, but also the technicians and everybody who's kind of involved in the radio, they're all called radialistas. Uh, and and that's why we're also very excited to go to to Canada and uh, also to the US because we've never been there before and we can we want to soak up what what type of radio we can find there
2: yeah well certainly around WGXC you'll find a really a great sense of of community radio uh uh happening from you know the ground up and uh and an interesting distinguished for not being so uh connected to an academic institution, which a lot of community radio in North America uh, was founded, you know, uh, in that context. Um, so it's a different, um, I think, uh, there'll be a very distinctive um, experience mm. there.
0: But also there is, a, there is some kind of revolution going on in, in the U.S. because of the low-power FM stations that are now all being licensed. I mean, hundreds of them. It's, it's really quite amazing. And, it, you know, if you think of low power as in the idea that Mini FM brought up, which is broadcasting one block, you know, and then you look to the US and they say low power is a 100 watt transmitter, that is a slightly different issue. So they are really at the moment, you know, offering many, many places, small community radio stations in the US. It's, it's, it's an amazing development.
2: I know that the both of you are interested in local uh, food production and consumption and 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 uh, do you see a parallel uh between this development with uh, more uh, localized uh, broadcasting and other aspects of of life being more centered on one's immediate community
1: Yeah it kind of all makes sense in a way it's it's uh, it's kind of a neat analog um, we live here in a wine growing region and we were very surprised when we met the winemakers and discovered how they made wine because we obviously don't come from that culture ourselves. And, um, and we realized in the way they make wine and in the way they live and work with their material, that they're really the best ones are really artists in a sense. In a, in a way they work in a way that we could recognize as a kind of an art and this is also the same with food production and and everything else you know it's expressed in in what comes out of, of people's labors you know what comes the the product that comes out the other end and how they how they bring that to people and how they talk about what they do so for us it's it's a very similar thing
0: i think maybe this connection between community food production and community radio making you know could be tried out and could be brought together i don't know how much there is of this going on already but it's definitely very different to all these kind of food issues that you get pushed through television for example or through the internet or through food porn where people are just interested in the looks of it and not so much in you know the rest of the whole experience, so I think actually it's quite a nice combination that should be should be tried out, and that we might maybe we have the chance to try out
1: yeah and it, you know it's the more we were talking earlier about where you make radio from i mean we we'd be as happy making radio having a studio based in a cafe with the whole sounds of the cafe going on around or outdoors or whatever it is, you know, so the things then start to blend more one into the other, you know, and, and anyone to us can become a radio maker. All that you need is an idea or, you know, a, a willingness to communicate with other people and uh, you can communicate about whatever your issues are. So, and radio is a community. You know, it it develops its own community, whatever type of radio you make. You find out with an art radio station, people come and make radio about a very specific type of music or some other art form that they're interested in. And then they start doing concerts or other events around that. It builds up these other layers and their community grows in the same way that the communities of artisan food producers and people more interested in developing ecological ways of, of... sustainable food production are working. So it's you know, they fit very well together.
2: Do you find that experience of uh that growth of community around radio, is that something that you discovered through the process of, of developing Resonance FM, or was it something that you kind of came to that project um with already um a desire or expectation for such a community to to
1: occur I I wasn't expecting it to work I wasn't that wasn't even in my mind actually I think you know we just wanted to make radio because we'd been denied the access to the airwaves in the UK there was no community radio as such you couldn't very easily get involved you could maybe do a bit of DJing on a hospital radio station or something but you couldn't do a sort of more substantial especially artistic type of radio and um so it was kind of a byproduct really but it wasn't surprising in a way because our radio station grew out of an, a pre-existing community which was a community of experimental musicians and they came with very abstract ideas of how to make radio so it wasn't surprising that they came up with new ideas for radio but to see that kind of flourish and develop and then the experts come through and then people to be interested in what they were doing. And what was lovely to see was that people that came along to work as engineers on the station, they very quickly got into good relationships with the program makers and started doing projects together and then new programs would develop or new bands would evolve or, you know, lots of things. So anyone who got involved in the radio station on any level became something else you know they're just part of that community and they can do anything so the options increase exponentially for everybody involved and that was that was a surprise
2: and I guess also the 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 radio makers the community of that developed beyond just experimental musicians
1: yes sure it's branched out into all sorts of different areas
2: yeah, very much
0: so. I mean, th- there's very obvious connections where you know, people who, for example, put on live music concerts or ran a club or something would get involved. But then also you would have people who were interested in politics or certain types of literature or a dance or even opera or even uh, West End musicals. You know, people who are interested in this drifted towards the radio station and said we want to present a kind of different side and radio especially in this community sense offered the time to really go into the detail of of whatever you're interested in
2: i wanted to shift focus to uh, performance and other artistic contexts where i think a lot of cases that similar techniques of um, production can be applied to that context for you doing live performance to that was that something that predated your radio work or did the performance evolve out of the radio or which what was the what was the chicken and what was the egg i guess uh,
1: the performance came first
0: oh. yeah it, even the Performing with radio technology came first. <laughs> but this was really something that was because at that time, when we, around the same time we both started performing live, um, there was no access to the airwaves. so But we were already interested in kind of very small-scale radio transmitters that maybe could be used as instruments for electronic music rather than as instruments for broadcasting sound. So this is something that came to us fairly early. There was a time where you could buy sort of little soldering kits. They were called baby phone kits or something like this. But in the end, all they were were small-scale radio transmitters. And people got to know this and then started making them and then started using and abusing them. And we started using them for for our music.
2: As you got more involved in radio, did, you, did your performance experience change from that?
1: I don't think substantially it did. But obviously when you perform on the radio, that's something else, you know. So the performance is very different depending on the context, depending where it is. So the you know the traditional live performance for an audience in a venue is one thing and if you're sitting in a radio station doing the same thing it's it's very different because you don't have that tension and expectation of the audience directly so it becomes kind of a more fluid experience rather than a kind of interpretive or working on you know whatever whatever you feel from what's coming back in the room It's a slightly
2: different thing. Do you look for ways to create some some audience feedback in your uh, radio presentations?
0: Yeah, 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 (laughs) yes.
1: I say no, he says
0: yes. I mean, it really depends. Because when you do a bigger project, like when we set up a radio station in Sao Paulo at the Biennial for 100 days, I think you would be really crazy if you didn't offer people to give you a chance to feedback on you, because that's what, what you live off and what you feed off. If you perform in front of an audience, you get the feedback instantly, depending on how they behave while you're playing and if they clap afterwards or if they throw bottles at you. So, I think this, the same thing for the radio is now so easy to have a back channel. In the past, you could have maybe people call in. These days, you can use whatever social media you're interested in to provide an instant back channel if people are interested to feed back to you.
1: The reason I said no was because, especially in the early days, obviously, we didn't have that social media. Um, And people would phone up the radio station and email and, and say what they thought occasionally. But... Um, the reason I say no is because fundamentally I'm not so interested in that if that changes what you do you know I'm a great believer that you should do what you feel like doing on the radio and if you feel like doing it somebody will get it or get something out of it you know and I think people are very they're very nervous about what they should do, what they could do, what's acceptable, what their listeners will tolerate, you know, what people can put up with. And um, and we found, especially in situations it, it that depends on the context, you know, how people react to what you're doing, but you can do the strangest things. And for instance, if you do something really odd and you do it at night, people accept anything, you know, they're happy to listen to anything at night time because they don't want the typical radio with somebody telling them something and all this activity going on you know they just want to kind of drift and i'm yeah i i really don't like the idea that you have like you like you used to have in the arts where you can only make a certain type of music if you you can only get funding for that if you can put enough what they call bums on seats if there's enough audience and um I like to go the other way, you know, if one person likes what you do, I think it's worth doing. Mm.
0: Yeah, I guess this is something that that a lot of radio has suffered over the decades uh, from these ideas that advisors come in and tell you, uh, you have to be like this or like that to find your target audience. I mean that there's already the problem in the word target audience, I guess. But this is something that, the, the, you know, that obviously commercial radio is interested in because they want to sell advertising. Um, public radio shouldn't be interested in it, but they have become interested in it and are, are now following it as, as well. And you also find that people who run community radios sometimes think they have to be interested in it because they don't know any other world in radio. But then you have other countries where they're still resisting this idea that you have to always go for the lowest common denominators. So again, it depends on where you are, which which location you are at.
1: Yeah, and also what you know, if you're if you're doing a traditional community radio and it has other needs, then that's fair enough. You know, you cater for everybody's needs, but it doesn't mean that you have to do that all the time. You should also be free to do other things.
2: On the topic of feedback and um, response, um, how does the audience get back to you from this interview? What are the channels to fill up your mailboxes with?
0: Well, this is quite easy. They they can send an email if they want. They can find our email addresses on our website that's mobile-radio.net uh, They could contact us on Twitter if they like. that's at mobile underscore radio or hopefully uh, they can come and see us in person when we come to toronto and uh, also to the wave farm
2: yes and i'm going to share those uh, details with listeners in a moment Uh, but before i do that uh, i wanted to thank uh, sarah washington and knut offerman for your time an insight into the community radio experience and into community-based experimental radio.
1: Thank you very much, and hopefully we'll see you soon.
2: Yes, we're looking forward.